Everything is new. Everything. This is the birth of the church. The wind swirls, a hurricane blows, the stale air is forced out, the dust disappears in an instant. The air is fresh, the light is all around, the Holy Spirit enters our lives and we become a new creation. It turns us around, turns our lives upside down, blows away the stale and the old. Christ enters our lives and we are made new we are made this is the birth of the church hello and welcome to power connection with pastor tracy stone in this weekly podcast we hope you have an encounter with god through inspiring teaching and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Pastor Tracy Stone and would like to enjoy more resources and devotionals, including our weekly updates, we hope you'll visit our website at pccgwinnett.cc. Praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful that we have something to believe in? We can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, the second chapter. Second Kings chapter 2. And I want to begin reading. Verse number eight. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 8. And Elisha took the mantle and wrapped it together and smoked the waters, and they were divided hither and thither. So they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they had gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee. Behold, I will be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they were still went on and talked, and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into the heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell on him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle that Elijah fell from Elijah and smote the waters and said, Where is the God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they pottered hither and thither, and Elisha went over. I've entitled the message today, Freedom is inside. 
Your freedom for your life, for your family, for your home, it's in sight. May the Lord add the blessings to the reading of his word. And the people of the Lord said together, amen. Elisha showed up in a dark time in Israel's history. Ahab had provoked God more than any other king in all of Israel's history. In 1 Kings 16, 33, it talks about how that Ahab had made a grove and Ahab did more to provoke God of Israel and to anger than all of the Israel, God, Israel kings that were before him. It wasn't so much that Ahab was wicked as much as Ahab was weak. He was the pawn of a very cruel and crafty woman by the name of Jezebel. And he fell under her sway. After Ahab had married Jezebel, she immediately began to set her work to destroy Israel. She began to build temples to other gods in Jezreel. She began to build communes to support 450 priests unto Baal. She began to build a temple to Baal and Samaria. She tore down the altars of Jehovah at Carmel and replaced them with shrines and groves. She began to persecute the priests and the prophets of Jehovah throughout all of the land. And she did this with great fury. And on this particular event, Elijah had left Elisha, and now Elisha shows up, and Elijah shows up on the scene. And in 1 Kings 17, chapter 17 through the 19th chapter, Elijah encountered some of the most exciting times that the nation of Israel had ever witnessed. For about five or ten years, he begins to pick up a young man by the name of Elisha. He comes on the scene with him, and for the next seven to ten years, from about 907 B.C. to 896 B.C., Elisha was learning. He was taking notes on everything that Elijah was doing. So I say that to say this. Your influence that you have over people is important. The life that you live, the example that you are leaving is important. Somebody's taking notes on your life. Somebody's learning from your examples. Influence is a powerful tool. We all have it and we all use it every day. People around us are shaped by the people that have been influencing them over the past few years. You are a sum of the people that you've been hanging around with. So if you want to be a great thinker, get around great thinkers. If you want to be spiritually hungry, get around people that are spiritually hungry. If you want to be around positive people, stay around positive people. If you want to accomplish something, young people, in your life, get somebody that you know is successful and surround yourself with them.
If you want to be a winner, get around winners. But the flip of that is true. If you hang around gossipers and complainers and whiners and moaners and gripers, let me tell you, you're going to raise your children to be a whiner, griper, moaner, and complainer. You, you, you don't like it, but they're going to be what you show them. And Elisha must have got out of the relationship with Elisha something wonderful because in time it would pay off great dividends. There was lessons that Elisha learned. The first lesson that Elisha learned from Elijah was sometimes you're going to have to go alone. If you're going to find freedom in your life, according to 2 Kings 2, and he saw him no more and he took him and took his own clothes and he rent them into pieces. Elijah was gone and Elisha was alone. He was facing the Jordan or he was facing the future freedom. The same place that he had crossed before, now it's in his hands. And I'm looking at the generation in America. And I'm looking at the generation in the church and I'm wondering, are we handing them something to fight for the future with? Are we giving them spiritual truths that they can stand sometimes alone? He remembered in this time of being alone how that Elisha would told, told him that there was going to come times in vision and ministry and a burden that you're going to find it in the solitude places with God. And don't let loneliness rattle him. Young people, I want to tell you, when you make a stand for God and you make a stand to live right and pure and to keep your body holy and to save yourself and not to party and act crazy like the world, and you, you're making a stand. Don't let loneliness rattle you because you're not alone. God is with you. And there's something that people have deposited in you is that relationship. But Elijah was, was, was learning and had learned, Elisha had learned from Elijah that, that, he had, that what he had to do, he had to face the courts, the royal courts. Elijah, he faced them alone. He would be at the, the brook that dried up at Cherith all by himself. He would go to the widow at Zarephath and ask for the last meal by himself. He was faced death and the death of a child all by himself. He would rebuke Ahab the king by himself. He would mock Baal by himself. He would repair the broken down altar by himself. He would pray fire down from heaven all by himself. He would pray for famine and rain to stop and then rain to come all by himself. He would face the, the, the sightless servant only to see sight and to have faith to see all by himself. He would outrun Ahab Ahab on a chariot 17 miles. He ran on foot while Ahab rode on a chariot, but he outran the rumor. No matter how you look at it, at times in your life, you have to make up your mind, if it's nobody else, I'm going to make a stand. It may not be popular. It may not be in vogue. It may not be in neon and everybody may not celebrate it, but I am going to make a stand for the Lord. No matter how you look at it, we're going to face calamities of life and sometimes they're going to be alone. That's why prayer life is important. That's why praise and worship is important. 
That's why fasting to for breakthrough is important. That's why meditating on God's word is important because the avenues of freedom are generally hid away somewhere from the eyes of the unsanctified in the times when we're alone with God. It proves the point. One man can make a difference. People say, well, I'm just one person in my family. What can I do? I'm just one person in, in my job, workplace. What can I do? It proves the point. Elijah changed a nation. You can change a church. We can change our city. We can change our workplace. Young people, you can change your school. We can ultimately change our nation. Don't ever get backed into the corner thinking that you're alone and because you're alone, nothing can happen. I'm telling you, you're not alone. God is with you and if God is for you, who can be against you? When you feel exhausted and weary and wore out, remember that Jesus took just a few fish and a few loaves, break it and blessed it, and took up 12 baskets at the end. I'm telling you, it's in the breaking and it's in the loneliness. It's in the times when we feel like I can't take it anymore that the blessing of God is coming in the breaking. And some of you have said, Preacher, I don't want to break anymore. But what I'm realizing, if my freedom's ever going to come, God's going to break me and God's going to bless me and God's going to take me to the place that he wants me to get to. So I, he learned the lesson for freedom. I'm, sometimes I might be alone. And then secondly, he learned there are going to be trade-offs. Trade-offs. Elisha didn't go to the place in life just because he had a good mind to think of it. Some people tell us, just think enough good thoughts. Just think good enough and be positive and that's all good. But you have to decide to do something about going somewhere. How many want to go somewhere? I mean, you want your future. You want to go somewhere, then you've got to decide, I've got to do something. I just can't sit around and just hope and, well, I'm just praying you got to put some action to your prayer. God's going to lead you. I know about waiting on the Lord, but, but God's going to lead you. And then nothing wrong. you got to pray. And sometimes you just stand still. But, but other times the Lord's going to nudge you. you got to be willing to step out on the nudge. you got to be willing to step out when the Lord urges you to step out. Listen to what he said in 1 Kings. I've got it right here. 1 Kings 19. Let me find that scripture for you. 19, 19. Here we go. It says, so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Sheriffath, and he was plowing and had 12 yoke of oxen and, and he had all this stuff going on in the Bible. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me pray, let me kiss my father, let me tell my mother that I will follow thee. And he said, let me go back again for what I've done to thee. And he returned and, he's, and, he, and he just killed the oxen. He tore up the plow and he burned it. He destroyed everything about going back. He made up his mind, I'm going to trade off what I used to have for what God's going to give me. Let, let me just let that marinate a minute. You've got to trade off what you have now 
for what God wants for your future. So a lot of us, we, we want to hang on to everything and drag it all into our future. But Elisha was so exposed to the mark of the mission. Freedom was so impressed upon him. See, we are marks of the Great Commission. We are proofs of all you've been through. The evidence of sin forgiven. All we have, have to offer, we are offered the call Whatever is wherever he has led us. It is worth every step of the way. We've come through the dark, been through the marks of the mission. Elisha was marked for what God was calling him to do. And there's a trade-off, young people, senior adult. There's a trade-off that has to happen in your life that you begin to be marked as a child of God. He said, my sheep, my sheep and another they will not follow. Means that we are marked for the kingdom. His day, Elisha's day, wasn't very different from our day. It was a day of a backslidden nation. It was a day of religious systems bankrupt of the spiritual power where Jehovah worship was mixed with Baal worship. It was a time they had a corrupt king, they had a corrupt queen, and the priesthood that allowed Israel to be swept in to paganism. And let me just stop and share what paganism is. Paganism is, is when, when we just inclusive. We don't, there's no right, there's really no wrong. Is that not America? Well, it's my truth and it's, it's what's wrong. And because it's wrong for me, I don't know if it's wrong for you or not. It may not be wrong for you, but it's wrong for me, but it's not wrong for me. Paganism, nowhere Nowhere in Scripture supports your way and your truth. It's all his truth. It's not how you view holiness. It's what the Word says about holiness. It's not what you feel is right and you feel is wrong. There's a way unto man that seems right. But the end is death and destruction. So the trade-off for freedom is, Lord, I don't want to live Tracy's way. I don't want to do it my way. But Elisha understood that he was going to go under a mark of a new mission that Elijah had left him. And if we're going to go into this new season with God, we've got to be marked with the mission. Freedom. Is in sight. The Bible says that he left his family, he left his farm, he left everything to follow the cause of the kingdom. He had a mantle that was cast about him. And let me give you this you are the only one that can determine how valuable the mantle is going to be in your life. You are the only one that's going to value what God is going to mean to you. You can be, some of you were, you, you have a drug problem. You were drugged to church this morning. And you're only here because somebody drug you here. But, but you have to determine 
what your relationship with God is going to be valued. You have to determine the value of your personal walk with God. I can't put impose how valuable it's going to be. I can tell you. I can tell you that having a relationship with God is the most precious thing in your life. But until you understand the value, See, anybody could have, could have been there. Anybody could have received it. But Elisha had to understand the value of the mantle that was coming upon him. If things of great value, if you're not willing to leave them for him. This man, he left family. He left farm. He left oxen. He burned the yoke in the field. He took it all and said, I don't want it all. Give me Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to abandon your family, and aban but I'm telling you, you've got to abandon fleshly ways. You've got to have a trade-off. He chose the anointing instead of acceptance. He chose being alone instead of being included. He chose the miraculous instead of the mundane. He chose the prophetic instead of the popular. He chose the dangerous instead of the comfortable. The sacrifice instead of the ease. He chose God over himself. And when you finally make the trade-off, you will understand, and you'll, you'll understand that what Philippians 2, 5 says, let this mind be in you as it was in Christ Jesus. Let this mind, this trade-off mind, that it's not me but Christ living through me. So he learned sometimes I'm going to be alone. Sometimes I'm going to have to have a trade-off. And then he learned to resist the urge to quit. Whatever you've got to do to, to get rid of, to resist the urge to quit, do it. Whatever you've got to do to resist the urge to quit, do it. Get rid of it. Just have the mantle. Having the, the, the trade-off, all of that's not enough. You, you've got to get the mindset, I'm not going to quit. And because you're a child of God, because you're serving the Lord, does not make you immune to obstacles. You're still going to face hard times. People are still going to gossip about you. People are still going to be skeptics and laugh at you. And rivers are going to still have to do all of that. Your moods and your whims are going to have to be put into check. Are you listening? You got to get beyond the fact that I'm going to keep throwing in the towel every other week. Samuel Johnson said, great works are performed not by strength, but by perseverance. Helen Keller said, we can do anything we want to as long as we stick to it long enough. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said, by persistence, the snail made it on the ark. In 1989, a true story, there's a man by the name of Henry Dempson. And Henry would go down in history as defying fate. Henry was a pilot of a jet and for a local commercial airline. And he was flying this jet, true story, Google it, Henry Dempson, 1989. Don't Google it now, but later. I see some of you about to go there. I'm going to tell you the story. Henry's flying the plane. They take off, and he hears something unusual. 
So Henry goes and turns the controls over to the co-pilot and says, I'm gonna go check that noise out. Something don't sound right. And so as he goes to the rear of the aircraft, they hit turbulence in the air. See it? And he hits against the back door and nobody locked the back door. Yeah. You're never flying now, are you? (laughs) And so when they hit the deal, the buzzer went off in the cockpit, the rear doors opened. Guess what? Henry flew out. (laughs) But on his way out, he grabbed a hold of the ladder. So help me is true. Henry's hanging on. They're going over 200 miles an hour, 4,000 feet in the air, and Henry's back there hanging on. It's like a movie. And they didn't know. They, they radio back, send somebody out into the ocean. They had left Portland, Oregon. They were going to Boston. And they were over the ocean. They said, somebody, send, send somebody out there and look for him. He's gone. Little did they know when they landed. Henry's still hanging on. (laughs) Somehow or another, he keeps his head from hitting the runway. Somehow or another, he holds on to the the violent force. I, I can't even imagine this. They said that it took several, that's what the article said, several. Whatever several means. I can just in my mind see it. Several guys prying his hands off the ladder because he was holding on because the alternative was I'm going to die. I don't know what I need to tell you today, but you need to hold on. When turbulence hits you, hold on. When the winds of life are coming against you, hold on. When everything says you can't have freedom, hold on. When the devil says, I'm going to kill your marriage, hold on. When the devil says, I'm coming after your body, hold on. When the devil says, I'm going to take our nation down, hold on. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ declares victory. Victory. 